Hey everybody, this is Randy Hales, Memphis Wrestling, and you are listening to Live and in Color with Sir Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. I was N-O-D, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D, and you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D and my co-host, Jimmy Across the Street, is my very white voice. (laughs) (laughs) Is it creeping you out, brother? It's kind of good, dude, actually. (laughs) That's amazing. I don't know where that came from. That was just... Is that the voice of Slash? (laughs) <laughs> no, that's not really Slash. I don't okay. know. I, I was really just trying to sound like Midnight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? I was thinking about saying like on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling podcast, I was like, what if we had Slash on to do a watch along on the Give yeah. Me Back My and have Slash, but it wouldn't be Wolfie D. It right, would be right. anyway. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah, that's but, a good idea. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> today's idea was even better. And, and and we really put this show together on the fly because yes, I just mentally was not with it last week. And, you know, life, man, just life. And and, and you were calling me. I was like, man, just give me another day. What are we going to do? So you call <laughs> oh, drink, kid. <laughs> so, it's so true. If for the, uh, Tales from the Territories. Pretty much everybody's reviewed that already, but we're, we're doing it a little different. We brought, uh, we got Randy Hales coming on today who has, you know, he's he's like Cornette and some of those guys. That they don't forget nothing, man. They know right. all the shit. They remember it all and, and, and know all the stories. So there's yeah. no really better person that we could have got today to do this episode. And we're going to, you know, like you said, let's take it a step further, man. I, I've got some Tales from the Territories because guess what? I was there. It's right. It was Randy. Randy was there long before I was. People don't understand. Randy has been in the business since he was in high school. I think wow. Randy's like 60-something now. I can't remember. But he's been in the business basically his whole life doing something, whether it was ring announcing uh, or, or booking or whatever, man. So Randy's legit, man. You know, he's a knowledgeable fella in the world of pro wrestling. Yeah, I mean, that's what I saw about it. I was like, you know. We were thinking like, okay, Tales from the Territories. And to be honest, between you and I, we could have done a show about it. But I was like, dude, let's make this something special. And so yeah. I said, what if we got Randy Hales? And you were like, I think that's a great idea. And we went with it. And the thing is, is Randy was like a CWA ring announcer. Mm-hmm. He was a USWA booker, matchmaker, power pro owner, and then also a Memphis historian. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. So. Who better to have? And then he's going to have his own stories. And then I can't wait for our hails from the territories that you tell your story. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Gonna be fun. So yeah, it's gonna be super fun. And I think we're going to be like we 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 might end up doing you know uh, two hours on this show and have to split it up <laughs> or something like that because I just feel like this is going to take us a minute to cover some of this stuff because yeah. 
said, we know what was on the show. And then you got Randy's point of view and quite frankly, some of the stuff on the show. Uh, and I don't want to spoil anything, but let's just say, I think some of it might've been a little embellished, but we're talking today <laughs> about the first episode of Tales from the Ter- Territories, which is about Memphis wrestling, uh, the history of Memphis wrestling uh, hosted by Jeff Jarrett. And this was produced by The Rock. Uh, you got Jerry Lawler, Jimmy Hart, Dutch Mantel, um, Jerry Jarrett. Yeah. Who's the, who's the other one? There's another one, right? No, that was it. That was, was, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is going to be fun, man. I think we just need to jump right into this, man. I love it. Let's get to it right after these messages. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, guys, we're back. And as we promised, today we're going to be talking about, uh, we're calling it, Hales from the territories because we got Randy Hales coming on, but we're talking about the Rock's uh, show that he does with Vice, uh, and and it started. It's a spinoff of Dark Side of the Ring. Those were all really good, I thought. And uh, since this first episode, it's called they're, the whole series is called Tales from the Territories, but they cover Memphis on the first one. So that's I'll probably watch the other ones, but I've made it a point really quickly to watch that because I wanted to see what they were going to say. I loved the way they put it together, but without further ado, Randy Hales, welcome again. Second timer, first, first second timer in the history of Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Now, kind of produce you because to introduce your guest properly, I want you to tell. <laughs> I want you to tell our friends, our viewers, the thing that you had called me several days after the show dropped, and it could have changed since then, but you called me one day. I was on a long Uber trip, and you Mm -hmm. called me with the good news, so the debut first day listens for my show, my debut, do you remember what that was, Whoopie D? It, and, and I'm going to let Jimmy back me up on this because he, I get all my numbers from him. And so the, he had, you had the one day record. I don't recall what the one day number was, but has he since been beaten Jimmy? <laughs> so I figured Road dog would beat me because certainly he has more of a national thing. Now, 
Yeah. I think that I have better Memphis stories than he does. Cause he All right, well, hang on, it. hang on. Before you go any further, let's find out the answer to the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> does the record still stand? or So the single... This, no, the single day record still stands with 3,681 downloads in, in a 24 hour period by Randy Hales. But the overall record has been broken by Jake the Snake Roberts in total. So, but that hey, makes me hot. <laughs> the single day record is the one to go with, though, in my opinion. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, Rick. my I'm hot about is, is that. <laughs> Jake the Snake beat me and and Road Dog both. Yeah, he did. He's, he's been did. around for a while, Randy. I mean, he's Jake the Snake. Fuck. He did get a bit of a name, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Randy, what was your overall just what was your overall thought of the Tales from the Territory Memphis uh, episode? Well, I was a fan of. Dark Side of the Ring, most of the, the episodes they did was just fantastic. So I was very, very excited that they were going to do the Tales from the Territories. And, and I have watched the very first episode, which was on Memphis and the round table of our guys, Hart and Jeff and Jerry and mm-hmm. Jerry Lawler and Dutch. I thought thought it was great. And, and we'll get into it. Some things were embellished, especially <laughs> Jerry Jarrett. <laughs> embellished big time, and absolutely every every uh, I've heard talk about it, as uh, including Jim Cornette did a podcast about it, and Jerry Jarrett's version of the Spider Al Galento story. That incident with Galento did happen, but this was a, I've heard it, the story a hundred times. Yeah, let's what's the what's the version you've heard? Yeah. I heard the version that And real quickly, Roy real quickly, Welch, real quickly, Randy, don't I don't mean to cut you off, but for people that I and you kind of just said the names and stuff. So Jerry Jarrett claimed that he got into a shoot with Galento in the ring and he was the Galento was hit, what hitting him with something and Jerry pulled his eyeball out, completely out. And that's that's how Jerry Jarrett told the story on the show. And so Randy has another version. The version I've heard my whole life, basically, is the version that I've heard. And it was a situation that was told on that series, but it's absolutely fantastic. Roy Welch is the person that gave, gave Jerry Jarrett a break, the partner of Nick Goulas, and obviously the grandfather of Robert and Ron Fuller, been around for a long time. He was getting dementia, so he got it in his head that Jerry Jarrett, who was his booker on the Memphis Inn in Louisville, he got the idea, Roy did, that Jerry Jarrett was trying to steal his territory. Mm-hmm. And so he got a hold of one of the guys that worked for him for many years, that was Spider Al Galento. And so the rumor is that Roy Welch either promised him a job or paid him money, whatever. So at TV, he ended up hitting the ring on a Jerry Lawler-Jerry Jarrett match in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And it ended up where... Um, Jerry Jarrett got a club or something, 
then Lawler tried to help Jared, but anyway, they knocked Galento. They screwed Galento up pretty good. That's always been the story. Now, I guess Jerry thinking he was going to be on national TV for the world to see, he told it away that not only people like me that heard the story a hundred times, but people like Jerry Lawler that was in the effing ring. Right, right. That's what I was going to say. Lawler probably sitting there thinking, that's not, but he can't interject and go, you fucking full of shit, you know? That's funny. Yeah, it's it's just crazy, but you know, I I thought for the most part. Now is that guy still alive was, today? I think he died, right? I think so. I, okay, because that's another thing. Ago. He the man's not around to defend the story, so right. Jerry could say what he wanted to. I reckon. And the guy asked asked Jared at the end said, "So when he died, he didn't have a he didn't have an eye and uh, Jerry who made the big deal out of pulling his eye out and it was rolling around in the ring. And then when, <laughs> yeah. the, the, when the announcer asked, said, so when he died, then he didn't have a ring and have an eye. And Jared said, well, that's what I heard. Well, he just said that he tried he to pull the guy by pulling his eye out. And, yeah. And then he says, that's what he heard. You know, right. it's, it's crazy. But yeah, it was yeah. an absolute fantastic phenomenal show i've really yeah. enjoyed it. i just as you were telling that in my crazy head i could just hear the benny hill music playing And the, and the so the sound of the eyeball going boop, and then yeah. it rolling around the ring. When you said rolling around the ring, and then and then them like trying to chase it and pick it up like a fumble. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. diving at it. Yeah, and I just definitely dropped yakety sacks right there. <laughs> so, Wolfie, you had you had heard you're younger than me, obviously. Uh, you had heard the story in the past version of it right you it wasn't the first time you heard the story right well did i recall when i saw it i i couldn't remember hearing it before i probably uh didn't i i, I can't remember and, and there's been so many you know times me and you and frank riding up and down the road and i frank would be telling some of those older stories i knew some of those names roy welch and you know a lot of the ones that frank used to talk about but i i don't retain stories like that i'm one of those people that i love jokes but i could never remember them to tell no tell me somebody <laughs> when you heard that story on tales from the territory and that's a pretty drastic thing to happen the guy's eye bouncing around the ring did you pop <laughs> when you heard that story i mean of course i did you know i always hear about from wolfie d's stories and, and other wrestlers that i've known they're always talking about popping eyeballs man it's just like <laughs> something wrestlers do and to know not only you know he said i took out my old sailor moran training and you know <laughs> I popped his eyeball. You know, it, the hand is more bones than the forehead. So let him punch me, break his hand, and then pop his eyeball. And I was just like, okay, that sounds awesome. But at the same time, the fact that he actually took the eyeball out. I know a lot of guys have popped eyeballs, but usually they just kind of dangle. Yeah, well, I know you have. <laughs> I did that. Randy, do you remember that? I did that to Jamie. 
No, I don't remember that. Yes. Oh, my God. And we were at Anita's. We were at Anita's house. Anita was, uh, to those that don't know, Carrie Von Eric's close friend. She was a nurse. Uh, some people have different opinions on her role in uh, his life. I'll just put it like that. But um, we were staying there for uh, with Mike Anthony. And me and Jamie had been out. And I think it was already daylight when we got back in. And for some reason... Well, I don't know. Who knows? We got to arguing and about ready to fight. And he was standing on her. She lived in the trailer and he was standing on her those concrete steps, you know, and I'm standing on the grass facing him and he's facing me. And then all of a sudden, um, he, he like leaps at me and, and punches me and kind of fez presses me all at the same time. Okay. So he's like on top of me. And I don't even think he got another punch off before I just reached up and I put my right thumb in his eye and I felt it go bloop, bloop, and it uh, went right back in. Yeah. But it was immediately black. And it obviously, he reached up with both hands and grabbed his face. Yeah. And I rolled him over and started dinging him. And, and he showed up to TV with a big black eye that morning. Man. Do you not remember him showing That's up to TV with a black eye? And I think... Me and him might have even, that was when me and him broke up that first time. It might have been working against each other. Oh, my God. Well, that might have been an era of time. Of, was I booking yet? <sighs> I don't think so. I really don't now that I think about that part of it. I don't it. think so either. So Because you didn't book me and Jamie breaking up. Gotcha. And that's not something you would have probably ever, you would have come to me and told me, you got to fight with Jamie and you wouldn't have told me that, especially in those days. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So this must have been pre that. I don't remember. But it was early on. But yeah, that happened. He showed up with a big black eye. Not to kind of take it off a different subject, but yeah. the one thing that I, I noticed about the very beginning of this was you kind of see, and I don't know the real Jimmy Hart in this. Jimmy actually is always like, hey, baby, you know. Come on yeah. down to Hulk's meat shop, baby. That's you know, all I've ever seen. In and, and back and back. And that's all I've ever seen. And of course, they're talking the pea shooter incident. But <laughs> I feel like you kind of get to see a glance of the real Jimmy Hart. Am I correct in that, Randy? I have a different opinion of Jimmy Hart than most people do. Okay. I, okay. I really, I really do. And whether on that show... To me, he was performing just like he always performed. To me, Jimmy Hart, um, let me clean this up, up a, <laughs> a little bit. Let it rip, uh, let Randy. Me, Tell yeah, me. Please. Here's, here's the thing. Jimmy Valiant used to do his promos on Hart. And I think it's the best description at all. Uh, and he was doing it working-wise. But shooting-wise, I will say this. Jimmy Hart is a snake in the grass. Absolutely, a hundred percent, all for Jimmy, a hundred percent, no doubt about it. And so that's that. So yeah. that's the stoop of the day because you know everybody, everybody loves Hart. And I understand that as a talent, he is is absolutely uh, great. There's no doubt about it, especially his Memphis work. I'm not 
so impressed with his WWF work or WCW work. Right. But in Memphis, maybe the the best job that anybody's ever done, managed in any, you know, leading the leading the hillside of the territory. I yeah. mean, he was just phenomenal. But yeah. now, do you have the same impression as I do, or were you not around Jimmy Hart much? Well, the I I had no real business dealings with him. Um, around the time that me and Jamie uh, were right at WCW time, somewhere in there, there were some shows there and some other ones. He was always, and I always felt that too. I mean, I obviously know when someone is one of those people and he's not the only one and you know, last of a dying breed that stays in character 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, he lives his gimmick and he's, he's always working. So those type of people, like I said, I ain't had no business dealings with him. So I never had to put that, put that wall up where I go. I know this guy's a worker. He's an old school worker. So let me be on guard with this. You know what I'm saying? I never had that type of interactions with him. It was always, I always laughed because the, the, you know, hey, baby, love you, baby, all that stuff. <laughs> and, you know, it's a double whammy with him because he was a pro wrestling guy, but he's also a rock and roll guy. You know, he had right. the million-selling record and keep on dancing and another big hit and Cinnamon Girl. I mean, and so, you know, we've always said we lived our life like rock stars. Well, he mm-hmm. lived the life of a rock star and as a, yeah. a wrestling guy too so he has the double whammy and right. none of us are, are normal I mean <laughs> if you think for a minute that any of Jimmy talking to you um, kind of on the outside and not into a, the business full time absolutely full time like we were on the road every day and Wolf will tell you and I'm sure you've already figured out we ain't normal <laughs> we ain't normal no most most of us ain't right right in yeah. our own, our own special ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, with Jimmy Hart, you know, he had immense heat. Obviously, you could put someone with him who needed some heat, and I agree. I think his Memphis run is the reason he's on the Mount Rushmore of of managers. But you know, a lot of people know him from the the WWF and and the WCW runs. But I just never really saw him outside of the honky baby yeah baby oh yeah baby you know i've never seen him past that and to feel like he was talking now the funny part is is where jeff was kind of pseudo hosting it did you notice that like jeff's kind of progressing the story right and then and jeff's great at that but i noticed jimmy was getting kind of pissed with jeff if you notice it i I tried to look for little nuances and i don't know if there's existing heat there with them or if it's just something like jimmy's not the number one talker here it's actually jeff talking and jimmy was kind of i don't know he just kind of looked annoyed every time jeff would say something to him is there any heat there that you all think well you know I will talk about the heat in a minute. I think Jeff, my description of Jimmy Hart, I would think that Jeff would a hundred percent agree, a hundred percent agree with that. I think absolutely without a doubt. I thought watching that show and interesting point that you said about Jeff basically taking over I think Jeff, obviously, of anybody on that 
panel, you know, Jerry Jarrett is 80 and Hart uh, is 77, 78. Lawler's 73. Dutch is 73. Jeff is uh, in his 50s and he was the youngest guy there. And also, out of everybody, he is more current uh, in the wrestling world and and does performing a lot more right. than any of these other guys. So I think he just felt that he needed to leave this thing or it would go to hell. And I thought he did a great job at doing that. But I yeah. think that's why he did it, because he thinks somebody has to control, get this under control here. And <laughs> I don't know how much control he got, because he had his dad ended up, uh, I don't know, Jeff was embarrassed by by that, <laughs> by the eyeball story. Because, you know, Wall, Dutch is making fun of it. Cornette's making fun of it. Lawler's <laughs> making fun of it. You know, Lawler said on 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 something that I heard him do, and I forgot exactly what it was. He, he said, I learned something new. Uh, and uh, the host asked, so what was that? I, I learned that. Jerry Jarrett is the toughest, meanest son of a bitch in the history of our business. <laughs> he was going to bite somebody's veins and let them bleed to death and then pull it. Yeah. And he pulled his eye out and said, said that. Uh, I was in the ring, didn't even see that. You know, yeah. making a joke out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Did, what did Dutch say? Dutch uh, kind of just uh, said, yeah, just. Crazy, crazy story, crazy story. I've never heard the story. Everybody would say, I've never heard that, that story yeah. told that way before. Yeah. yeah. Not he's yeah. a liar. Right. <laughs> That's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, man, it, like you said, but Jerry's kind of always been a little bit like that anyway. But I also think that it, now that he's the age that he is, it's gotten worse because he really kind of don't remember. You know, a lot of these the guys, when they get this age, what I've noticed doing this show, hell, even talking to Lawler, Lawler don't remember right. some shit, man. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. You could tell. Yeah, Lawler don't remember. Lawler don't remember. He says it all all the time. It was a job to him, and he yeah. went and did it and made money at it, but when he went home, he did his other stuff, whether it was a girlfriend or a wife or whether it was watching the Cleveland Indians or the Browns or, or right. whatever the the fact the wrestling business did not consume Jerry Lawler at all. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot of things he don't remember. I tell him stuff all the time. Yeah. He don't don't remember. I think he's proud of his career. I'll tell a story real quick, kinda of getting away from that show, but this is is a tale and this kinda to me is fascinating. I was listening to a sports talk show in August in Jonesboro, and the dude, it was a Jonesboro talk station, the dude was talking to a coach at some time, a type of team on the day they was uh, honoring that with Presley because it was the anniversary of death. And this coach was saying, yeah, we were at football practice, and, and there was coaches, and they were players, and the radio came on. And the announcement was the king had died. And everybody in the coach said, including myself, everybody 
was crying, was upset, just terrified, because when you said the king, they thought it was Lawler that died. Yeah, yeah. Wow. thought it was Lawler. And they were, this coach was saying, I hate to say this, and I know uh, me and my, my team back then was in the minority, but when we found out it was Elvis Presley, we thought, thank God. <laughs> they were relieved that it was Elvis and not Jerry Lawler. So yeah. I called Lawler. Don't talk to him much. So I thought it was a hell of a story. So I called and told Lawler the story and things like that. He loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're over. We can go back and sneak that story in. That was great, Randy. Thank you. I want to kind of, before we get away from the Jimmy Hart and the Jerry Jarrett, I want to bring this in. Now, they brought up the fact, of course, with the pea shooter guy or the blowgun or whatever, they brought a fan back for what they call extra attention. How many times do you all remember a fan being brought back? Not only that you thumped them out there, but you had to give them a little extra in the back. Yeah, that ain't, that's something that... Uh, probably was over with by the time I got into business. You know, I've told plenty of stories where right. people jump in and thumping them and shit. Yeah. But as far as, you know, I did tell you, told you the one time in Louisville, the cops did grab that son of a bitch. And when I turned around, both of his, he had one cop had one arm, one had the other. And wham, I hit him. And I mean, they let me, but then they <laughs> removed him from the, uh, the venue, the Louisville gardens, but I've never heard of them delivering anybody anywhere. Randy probably has. No, no, I've not. We're taking them to the back. And, and I heard that story they told in the Louisville situation, but I tell you where I've heard the story. The most is I've heard Cornette talk about it. That it used to happen in Bill Watts' territory all the time. Gotcha. And took them back in the back and that sort of thing. Thing in my experience, you know, you you see the fans. Now, funny story about this. And when it was over, it was over. It was in probably eighty three or eighty four. We ran two towns on a Friday night. One of them was Hoenlaw, Tennessee, near Jackson. One of them was an outside football stadium in Carothersville, Missouri. Eddie Marlin went check up in Hohenwall. I went to Carothersville, and we were at the football field. Well, Randy Savage, Leaping Lanny Popo, and Angelo Popo came into town. We were on the football field, so they pulled the car up right outside of the dressing room area, the clubhouse, whatever you call that, and they were parked there. So pretty much in public. So the bell rang for the match, and here came Savage, Popo, and his brother, and they were coming out. Well, as soon as they came out, Randy uh, Carr, uh, I, I'm having a brain freeze uh, of his car. Tell me a fancy car. Lincoln fancy Cadillac. Car. Lincoln Cadillac. No. Like 80s? Corvette. 70s, a big thing. <laughs> They still have Mercedes. Mercedes. All right. This was the old one. But Randy uh, came out of that dressing room, and some dude, some kid, high school kid, had climbed up on top of Randy's car, the Mercedes, jumping up and down. So mm -hmm. Randy goes, reaches up, and body slams him on the ground. Boom, and the fight was over, and the cops got there, whatever. Uh -huh. Then later in the night, the night, man, 
here came after the match was over, basically the match was ending. Here comes tons of police officers. I mean, tons of police officers. And they arrested Randy Savage for slamming the boy. It ended up Randy's biggest mistake. The kid he body slammed off the car was the mayor of Carruthersville son. Oh, man. Son. So he went on, cried to his daddy. His daddy had Savage uh, arrested. Angelo came up to me and said, we don't have the money for the uh, the bail. And I forgot how sure. I think couple of thousand dollars and I remember to this day uh, even back in 83 it was a hell of a house it was like $75-7600 the gross house but uh, but Angelo said if you can loan us some money and I don't go around normally carrying that type of money but I had the, I was checking up so I had the money and so gave Angelo Popo the money to bail Savage out of jail and he, they returned the money later. But interesting thing, not many of you, I bet there's not one person on this this recording right now, and maybe not one person listening to this show that had a part in bailing Randy Savage out of jail. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Not a lot of people can say that, Randy. No, you're exactly right. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, proud of that. Yeah, man. That's a good that. one. Hey Randy, what about now? They they included the Lawler getting run over by uh, Eddie Gilbert and the Joe Duke thing. You know, two two of the biggest bumps Lawler took, but he he got hurt. Was it not for sure that he got hurt on the uh, the Duke toss? And then I don't recall if he got hurt with the the Eddie run over or not. What's your recollection? A hundred hundred percent the Duke thing. Yeah, he got yeah. hurt because he took that. Slam, and it was his idea, and and he just uh, grabbed the rope on the way out. It slowed his momentum, and he right. took the bad thing. He had internal bleeding, and it mm. was a big, big deal. You know, as they covered that story, I thought just just watching it again was Joe Duke's promo with the axe. Yeah, God. almost scared me watching it again. That was <laughs> terrifying. It, yes, it, it really was. That it was, was just so good. Yeah, it really was, and so believable. Yeah. What I also liked is they brought out the famous Memphis four by four post table that Wolfie's told the story of trying to break. <laughs> and I don't know if it's the same table. Is it the same table? You think? By Randy, the time we were uh, we were doing the PG thing. It was a different table. I, I it was damn made table. exactly alike, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think we eventually destroyed uh, the thing. I think when you talk about the history of Memphis wrestling, I think the Lord Duke deal has to be right up there. That's as memorable as yeah. anything. I mean, that really is. Age-wise, Whoopi, you're obviously younger than... Me, I was announced a ring announcer. Then it was in uh, that when that happened was in 1978. Well, hell, mm-hmm. I was still in high school in 1978. I was announcing and, and selling gimmicks and that sort of thing. But that's before I was in the office, obviously. But still, yeah, it, 
Joe Lazuk, I remember him being a nice guy, super nice guy, but he was one of those scary dudes, boy. Yeah. Uh, I bet not many. I bet not many fans uh, got mad enough at Joe Lazuk where yeah. they would. They might come up to him and knock him in the back, but face to face, they wouldn't have messed with him. Do you think, Wolf? No, that's the thing. I've talked about that a bazillion times, man. The fans, it just sucks because they're not afraid of the heels no more. And, you know, that was so fun. You know what I mean? Having it like that, you know, where you could work somewhere. And, you know, not that I was at the beginning a big intimidating guy, but still I I could scare little kids and old people. Yeah. But really, really just little kids. But, uh, you know what I mean. You know, uh, we they used to would the last, when you'd go up at them, they back off, but now they jump closer to your face, just begging you to hit them for a lawsuit. Right. It's been since July that I've told this, so I think I can get away bragging on us a little bit and bragging on on PG and the Rock and Roll because it's been a long time since these two son of a guns have asked me back. Anyway. <laughs> Talking about heat, guys, talking about heat, I think, and I'll let anybody argue with me about this, absolutely, you can argue with me. Whoopi's not going to argue with me because he'll agree with it because he was a part of it. But the (laughs) last time in the Memphis Territory that we had a heated angle where the people were willing to go to jail or willing to commit a violent act to help their baby faces. The last time that happened, not only in Memphis, but I think the last time in wrestling it's happened to that degree was Rock and Roll Express, PG-13, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, USWA. Now, I don't want to be like Jerry Jarrett embellishing something like the eye bouncing around the ring. I don't want to do that. But honestly, in my heart, the way I remember it, and it's been a long time, it's been 1995, do the math, people. Am I right, Wolfie? Tell me anything since then that got that kind of heat where the fans not only were mad at the Hills, you can't be mad at the Hills if they're not doing something to somebody they cared about. Right. That's the key to it, Jimmy. Yeah, you yeah. have to care about those baby faces. The people in, in this territory cared about Whoopi and Jamie. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's why they were so mad. Plus, they were loyal to the promotion. That was a double age. These guys were not only coming after PG, they were coming after their, their wrestling. This was their wrestling company, the fans' yeah. wrestling company. So the motion there. So that's a long kind of promo that I just gave. So I'm <laughs> on track or off track will will be. Is that the last time that kind of heat went on? Yeah, you can't have it like that anymore. Just the the, the way it is, you just can't have it anymore. The yeah, I, I mean that I know of or that I was a part of. It's been nothing like that ever since then. Yeah. Hard to make yeah. somebody, you know, Jimmy's heard me say it a thousand times. It's hard to make the fans mad when they know that your job is to make them mad. You know? Right. Right. You're just playing yeah. a character that's mean and ha ha good. He did. Look how good of a job he's doing. 
<laughs> well, you know, one thing that I saw was cool about this, and you, you this kind of goes exactly with what y'all are saying, is 70% of TVs were tuned to Memphis Wrestling. That blew, I mean, that's yeah. that's almost unheard of, especially today in these times. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, and Puerto Rico had numbers like that, too, back in the day. Sure. Which lets you know in that motherfucking place, they... You talk about fans getting buck ass wild. We ain't even got to go into that. That's just that's legend. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's just different times, and and I think that's why why people, the fans, like the fact that you guys do the show, and and I think you said to to me, Whoopi, that you've had a lot of great guests, but the people like to hear. Uh, I think uh, actually Doug Gilbert told me that that he was talking to you and you were telling him about the early on after the show that I did before dropped and you were yes. were say you won't ever guess who's done the best <laughs> download on blah blah blah, blah and, <laughs> and he said he guessed a couple of times and and uh, then then finally said who and. and uh, and then he said, Randy Hales. And he said, well, that makes sense. He said, he said the people, the people want to hear those kind of stories about that territory because there's not a lot out there. A lot yeah. of people that are Memphis people are listening to this. Um, you, right. you know, I was, and not to cut you off, but I was thinking, what do you think, you know, this show how much we all like it, how much the Memphis fans all liked it. I mean, cause I've, I've read everywhere. I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about it, right. uh, quite frankly, except for the, you know, the, the embellishment part or whatever, but that's just hell that's wrestling too. Right. Let's say the mainstream fan that finds out about this, that didn't grow up in Memphis or, you know, maybe one of the other episodes, I'm just saying, tales from the territories, the current fan that doesn't know these stories what do you think they think of this show when they watch it? They think it's all bullshit. Do they go, wow, it was crazy back then? Or, you know, I'd be curious to interview like a group of uh, modern day wrestling fans. You know, if I could have that power to get a group of them together and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah. That would be you awesome. You know what I think <laughs> they would say? What I think they would say after watching that, that man, that was back in the good old days when, when they was real. I think they'll watch it. They know what the business is now. I yeah. think they would watch it, Wolfie. Obviously, except for the Spider Owl thing, all the Joe LaDuke thing, and, and what we talked about earlier, the PG and the rock and roll thing, that was all a work. It was, but people weren't smart enough, the bottom line. But I think the people would watch now, and I really think they think, Man, it was real back then. I mm-hmm. think looking, I think they might say some negative stuff. They might say, man, that looks kind of rinky dink. A hundred people there in that studio or what, whatever. But man, mm-hmm. they were really fighting. And it <laughs> in our mind, that was the mind. That was the name of the game. Yeah. That was the name of the game. You wanted the realism of the, the thing. The other thing I'd like to say and I don't have numbers for you, Jimmy, and you're the number guy. Maybe you have researched that, that the very first oh, well, the Tales from the Territories, the Memphis episode that, that we're reviewing 
uh, today. I read somewhere where the ratings for that, and this shocked me, but the ratings for that was less was less than any dark side of the ring they ever did. So hmm. ratings-wise, it wasn't very successful. That's what I kind of meant by that. I was like, yeah. I, the, the, yes, that's perfect to what I just said. I'm wondering what these current people are thinking, mainstream people, because, yes, the numbers that it got are probably all from people like us, you know? Right, right, um, yeah. But then why why would this other generation not want to see the history of wrestling? And let me bring you to this point, because I've said this to, to on here before. There is, and I've seen it, there is a rift between the younger and the older in this business. And it is real. It's a thing. It's also a real thing in our generation, our real lives. It's also a thing. Society. <laughs> it's in society. So, yeah. so they... Don't the the one kid? I don't take advice from veterans. Uh, the hangman, okay. You, yeah. the, the, these are all just proof because I've been around a few dressing rooms as of late and things like that. So it's a thing, and that's probably why those ratings would be less because they think that we're dumb, <laughs> basically. Say this, and you Wolfie might want to edit this out, but I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. Wolfie, as we talked about before, at the Rick Flair retirement show, we were plugging all that thing, and he was on the card, and also he was an agent. And for the most part, ideas that he had and gave to the younger talent, they thought he was full of shit and didn't listen to him. Yeah. Did not listen to him. Is that not right, Wolfie? That's 100% correct. <laughs> Now, let me say this. Lawler wasn't on that card. Uh, so in Nashville, Tennessee, the person, and and I know Jeff Jarrett was on, on the card, and it will get, get hit. Jeff is a great, great talent and had a hell of a, a, a run. But against him, he was the promoter's son, son here. And I think the fans of Nashville, Tennessee, in Nashville, Tennessee, cared more about Wolfie D than they did Jeff Jarrett. Wow. I really do. I That's honestly awesome. believe that. And I'm not bullshitting, trying, because I have no reason Wolfie's ass. <laughs> in a way, obviously, I was a big part of the PG deal, but it's a talent that draws the money. You just give the talent the opportunity and some hit home runs. Some don't. But my point is, good point you made from the get-go, Wolfie, about the rift between uh, wrestlers, if they do listen, uh, maybe if they do listen, maybe that Hangman Page who got injured on the last Dynamite. I don't know if you're aware of that. He took a clothesline, and they got away from it with the shot quick to stop the... Match, it looked to me like a broken neck. Now, yeah. it ended up just a concussion, which in this, you know, that's bad having a concussion. But still, my point is, is there's, there's so many people out there, the younger talent, they 
think there's nothing, a whoopee-dee, or nothing, whoever. Uh, they have have great people in um, in Dynamite, in AEW, like Mark Henry's there. He's drawn money. Jerry Lynn is there, and he's a veteran. Billy Gunn, you know, there's so many people. But yeah. why they don't listen, I have no idea, but it's a big, big problem. I agree with you. 100%. That word rift that you said is a great word. And I think there's a rift between the current wrestling fans compared to the fans. I I could give two shits about the current wrestling yeah. fans and uh, <laughs> I'd fight for the older if there was a fight between current wrestling fans and older wrestling fans I know which side of the fence I'd be on, don't you, Willard? Yeah, and everybody's got to right take sides. There with if there's a if there's a thing and you're part of it, your your group with their opinions are the only ones that matter. Everybody else is stupid, so everybody has two sides now. Yeah, it's true. It's crazy. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more live and in color with Wolfie D. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're going to want to call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Wrestling in a prison. So, Wolfie D, I got to ask first have you ever wrestled in a prison? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. So, tell me, Randy, have you ever booked or worked or been near a, a show in a prison? Yes. Okay. I have. Tell us about it. Funny story. Funny story, and part of this story leads to one of, I'm sure, one of the most told stories, told Randy Hill stories ever. So we were booked on a Tuesday mid-morning at the prison near Louisville, a Kentucky prison, and Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner uh, and Frank Morrell was in one car. 
me and Bill Dundee with another car. So we go and you walk into this thing and they, um, I think it was Dundee or Frank, or obviously say, and I had enough sin. I wasn't going to take it in anyway. Dundee says, did I take my gun out of the, my briefcase? Have you done that for years? I said, I didn't even bring it. No one was going to a prison. But they check you, they frisk you, the whole nine yards. I hadn't seen that in my life. So when they walked in, Jeff, the blonde-headed baby face, the prisoners, Jeff was the biggest heel there, pretty boy, <laughs> biggest heel there, and they were saying they do things that you can imagine. We're not going to go there, but you can imagine what these prisoners said they yeah. like to do to Jeff. You're there. So yeah. I was scared to death in, in that situation. And so, again, another the guy with Jeff was what I thought the toughest guy in our crew. I, I shadowed Scott Steiner everywhere <laughs> uh, he went. I went. If I had to go somewhere uh, to talk to somebody in the prison, I took Steiner with me. I'm going to say, 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 I think this guy through him. <laughs> yeah. They do. It'll be a mistake. That led to us getting back to the Louisville Gardens early. And I'm guessing this was like 87 or, or 88. And it, we get back and we're all taking a little nap downstairs in the dressing room. And finally, I wake up and I went upstairs walking around. Frank had got up. And then I was stopped by somebody. And then somebody knocked on the the alley, the, the door from the alley. And so Frank said to me, he said, I'll race you. So he had like a hundred feet advantage over me. And so I ran trying to catch up, but he got to the door. Later on in the night, I was downstairs, Waller calls me and says, hey, Randy Hills, Randy Hills, Randy Hills. And he walked up there and his wife, at the time Paula was there and Waller, like he does, he was shaking his head and looking all disappointed. <laughs> and kind of like the time what these that he, <laughs> he knocked on our motel room and there it smelled like pot. You know, he, he, he was disappointed there. But anyway, <laughs> so he said, I can't believe Frank Morrell is twice as old as you be. I can't even be me. So we had a return with with Lawler there. We had a in that hallway upstairs. I returned that with the race. And Dean Hill, or maybe the police officer before Dean, I think that's who it was, Mike Patterson, blew the whistle to start the race. I was ahead, but I saw we were coming to the end of the runway, and so I slowed down. Frank thought I was blowing up and out of gas, so he was looking down, not ahead. He didn't realize we were at the end of the runway. So he put another gear, and he hit the wall, the concrete wall, as hard as he could, and blood shot to the ceiling. He <laughs> arm. He was out for for weeks. That's Lawler's favorite Randy Hale story of all time. So you talk. I remember that. From I, the I, I, I was there. So oh, I I'm sure you have heard the story. Of yeah, Frank, and, I've heard Frank tell. It. I've heard Frank tell. Oh about yeah, running into that wall at full speed, not knowing it was there. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought he was about to win that race, and boy, yeah. <laughs> the, to- the tortoise and the hare. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to lie. I don't have to lie about my stories to make them funny. That's a yeah. funny story. The guy that, that is a great story. The- yeah, a great story. And I'm not having to make it up like saying that I pulled somebody's eye. so okay well then this one leads into that one so obviously dutch is talking about wrestling in prisons with jeff jarrett and all this but then they lead to this i'd never heard of it in my life i'm actually happy that this show happened because of that was the lonesome pine specials where he and jeff wrestled in front of a symphony the louisville symphony and he even claimed that this is the only wrestling match that is in the smithsonian as a as a whole do you remember seeing this or i remember seeing it when it first came on and i and do you recall what they said what year that was because i'm trying to think was i in the business yet or was i was on the cusp of getting i'm it? i'm thinking i'm thinking it had to be 90 91 or 92 i was mad yeah, at Jared, so i had just got right? in the business. i was gone yeah, I, I had just gotten into business, still working the Outlaws, hadn't quite made it to Memphis yet. Yeah. And I remember seeing that, and I remember wanting to throw up. It was, <laughs> I thought, I hated it. It was <laughs> it was exposing the business, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't stand it, man. I hate yeah. it. And now watching it, I get it. It's art, but just, and, it, and nobody would probably bat an eye if you did that today. Oh, no. But yeah. then. It was like, to me, still, I was like cringed. Yeah. The tag team, band, and, and I think Dundee had trained. You, you remember Beauty and the Beast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Beauty and the, Mark Gulleen and Terry. Uh, and more, yeah. Terrence Sims was his real name. Anyway, Dundee had booked them, and they talked about, about that Mark or Galeen, I think, or maybe it was Cornette. I might mix, be being mixed up with hearing Cornette's review of this thing. By the way, our show today is fl- more fun than the Cornette thing, but he <laughs> talked about that. Mark Gulleen was the beast and beauty in the beast, and he actually is the one that set up the deal, and the orchestra, he, he played an instrument, so the dude that got hit with the drums was a wrestler. Uh, okay. okay. That part. Gotcha. Okay. That's a good little bit of information right there. I like that. So we saw that, and that was obviously probably on what? The local PBS and stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it leads in from that, and it takes a commercial break. And I know we're not going to totally do a play by play on this, but the thing that I'm most excited about, and we always try to talk about them every once in a while, is ribs. And this one obviously brought up the Jackie Fargo was the king of ribs, and obviously the famous Jonesboro, Arkansas tiger bomb story. So, any light on this story? I've just heard it a million times. Absolutely. I think it's just one of those harmless uh, ribs and the Jerry Jarrett and Tojo thought they were going outsmart Fargo. Lawler stooged it off because yeah. that was his ride that <laughs> night back to the Memphis. And so Fargo got his revenge and, and Tojo, I'll, I'll make, make this suggestion to you guys and to the viewers. If you can search Jerry Lawler talks to Tojo Yamamoto about Jackie Fargo rib on the Jerry Lawler show back in the eighties, Lawler had Tojo as a, as a guest and Tojo telling that story 
is the funniest thing I believe I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. I mean, <clears throat> it is classic. See if you can find it. Not only okay. Whoopi, yeah, you too, um, yeah. Jimmy, uh, or and our audience, anybody listening today, see if you can find it on YouTube because it is a classic, classic thing. Remember the time when we were wrestling in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and Jackie Fargo was on the card, and, and this is something I don't know if a lot of people realize, but we'd try to have a little fun in the dressing room every day. Yeah, that no good Jackie Fargo one time. He, <laughs> yeah, wait, 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 I, go me... the, I go to the ring, and when I come back, I, I don't know what. I, I can't <laughs> say the word, but when I wear my clothes, I jump up and down everything. I put something, somebody, well, let me, Jackie let me... Fargo put some hot, some hot paper or something, <laughs> and I drove from Jonesboro, to Nashville, Tennessee, jumping up and down like that in my car. So after that, I find out, oh, I, 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 Jackie Fargo make me smoke so mad. And I well, what, what? You're you, you the instigator. <laughs> okay. What happened? Jackie Fargo went out to wrestle, and you and Jerry Jarrett took some of this. They, when you have an injury, they have this atomic bomb that you put on a bruise or something, and you guys put that all in Jackie's, uh, in his underwear and things oh, like no, that. No, yes, no, you no, did. no, no, yes, no, you no, did. Not, not me, Laura, not me. <laughs> I know because it's tough for Jackie Fargo because he, he go in the ring, I see him all doing all these things. I said, what's the matter, Jackie Fargo? He said, told you, I think you and Jerry Jarrett put something in my tights. I told Mr. Fargo, no, he goes, Jerry Jarrett. <laughs> but anyway, when you guys went to the ring, he doctored up your clothes and yeah, he you guys had to he, he doctored really good because from Jonesboro to Nashville, everything burned. I, I, I stopped maybe 50 times to cool off. <laughs> So speaking of that, then tell us about your favorite rib or, or if somebody says, Hey, Randy, you know, you got to know about some ribs. I want to hear a good Randy Hales rib story. I don't know if it was because it was a different era of, at all, but uh-huh. I don't know if it was because the fact that then most of the time I was in the office, uh, I, I, I just don't recall many. I think there's one that I remember uh, personally that Jamie thought was funny and it, I damn near fired him for it and <laughs> overreacted a big time overreacted overreacted yeah the, <laughs> the deal was I was in a meeting with the manager the general manager of the Louisville Gardens it was a snow day it was bad weather out but I'm talking business. I think I was trying to renegotiate the rent or something that I felt was very important. And that dead-dumb goofy Jamie took, uh, went outside and 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 rode up a hard-ass snowball and and damn near hit the the general manager of the garden, but hit me right in the head. And my reaction to that. My reaction to that, we'll let we'll let Whoopi explain that because I was oh, a little out of control, right, Whoopi? Randy, I, you've got to finish this because I don't remember. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> you don't remember? No, Maybe I swear. You there. Maybe you were downstairs. So <laughs> I just thought because I was getting a little blowed up, so I'm getting a little out of breath. I'm getting fired up, so I was going to let you pay it off. So yeah. This, Goofy son of guns too, and hit me in the head, and then the whole freaking crew watching it, of course, because it wasn't funny. But I didn't think it was funny at the time. They laughed and right in front of 
the guy's name, the general manager's name at the time was Al and T. And he just saw that, and I'm thinking, this guy's thinking right now, the person running the wrestling company that he has in there on Tuesday night being made a laughing stock by his wrestlers. So <laughs> I did every F bomb in, in the old world. I'm in a fucking meeting right now. This is fucking important. That's the problem with you, Jamie Dundee. You don't give a fuck about anything about being fucking funny. This is about making money, Bob, blah, blah, blah. And I should fire you at the match right now. I went freaking crazy. Yeah, Just crazy, crazy, crazy. Jamie apologized and all that, but I don't think Jamie and I had a relationship after that. Uh, wow. I, I really don't. But I can't believe, Whoopi. No, man. Hell, man. remember that. Even after you tell it, I can't remember. Really? And I, I'm classic. Yeah, I'm, uh, I can see it. I can see every bit of it. I can see the look on your face. I can see the look on his. I can see it all. The snowball exploding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, can just I guess imagine. that. So yeah. Would you consider that a rib? Oh, yeah. Of course. I, I, I think that's a great rib. Yeah. <laughs> the only time that I can think of a rib ever. And I guess the, the deal, the race story that I told, told with Waller, I'm yeah. disappointed. That was a rib on me as well. So the yeah. two things I can think of, uh, only ribs I can think of, but uh, how about you? Well, the, uh, you were around goofy, crazy people. Did Tommy yeah, Rick ever really, rib you? Not, uh, Tommy would rib me verbally as shit. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> my own pussy. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like he would set me up for pranks or anything like that. Say, say uh, it, Wolfie. I never, say I it. never had. What's that? Say it. Oh, you know, drink it, wake up, pussy. Drink his beer. <laughs> and, uh, but I tell you a funny story. But me and Tommy, though, uh, it's not he. He would categorize it as I ribbed him, you know. But one of those unintentional ribs. Some kind of way, he was at my house when my apartment in Nashville, where I lived with Casey's mom, and me and him were waiting on Doug to come pick us up. We, we was either going to Louisville or to Evansville. I can't remember. And I'm not really sure how Tommy got to my house. Um, it's not like he had stayed overnight from the next town or anything. He, because you know, his mom and all them lived in Nashville. Some kind of way he got to my apartment, and Doug was picking us up over there by. Uh, I lived off Stewart's Ferry, and he was picking us up to the apartment. So anyway, and without saying names and whatnot, but Randy can attest. My ex was wild, man. She would get mad and go crazy and stuff. So it depended on who I was with. If if and she she knew that I was going to um, the town some kind of way. She found out Tommy was in the apartment. Oh, God, y'all are doing this. Y'all are doing that. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Tommy, we got to go. She's on her way here. Fucking <laughs> So I live, my apartment's backed up to the lake, Percy Priest Lake. There was a, literally like a little trail out of my back. I lived on the bottom floor. You could go out the back and there's a little trail probably – 20 yards and you were kind of on a little cliff at the edge of the, the lake. So there was a wooded area, right? So I knew, I said, Tommy, we cannot 
like just walk up through the parking lot and everything. We need to, we got to call Doug before we leave my house. Cause obviously we didn't have cell phones. So we called Doug some kind of way. I don't know how we got Doug to know where we were. It's so crazy how things like this happen without a cell phone. So anyway, we get to, uh, and I forget how long we said to stay there, but I made Tommy walk through the woods. Now we got our wrestling bags and Tommy, the most important thing Tommy has is his cooler full of beer and ice. So it's the middle of the summer. Tommy's sweating his fucking ass off. And he's got his bags and his cooler trekking through the fucking woods with me. And I'm not talking the 20 yards. We had to go around the complex, around the complex, come out at the road there, or literally step out of the woods with our bags, his cooler, and, <laughs> and then cross Stewart's Ferry Pike over you know, I hope she don't drive by and see us. And uh, <laughs> it, there was like a little bar, um, sports bar that was right there in like a little strip mall uh, right off the interstate. And so we crossed the street, went into there, and that's where we waited for Doug to pick us up. And Tommy was so fucking mad at me. You know, one thing I know we're gonna, we're doing hell's on the territory and not so much we got away from the review of that show but one of it's not really a a funny story but it was a a deal that i don't think i'll ever forget this we were leaving memphis tv men will be and tommy had asked for a ride with us and so he's in the back seat we'll be in the front seat i was driving and middle of TV, it started snowing and it started snowing real bad. So I used the TV space and phone to call Eddie and I said, are we running tonight? He said, what do you mean are we running tonight? Are you crazy? And I said, snowing here? And he said, we're not going to get any snow here. Maybe we did have cell phones because I remember later on in the trip because it started snowing. Remember that trip, Wolfie? Me and Tommy where we got stuck because of semis wrecking. It just took us probably six hours to to get to Nashville. We had to drop Tommy off at Steve, and then we got the bright idea. So me, you, your ex, Denise, Brian Armstrong, and Tex Slashinger, we all, Jeff was on the road, but we all we went to Eddie Marlins and borrowed his uh, snow sled and we went to Jeff's house and Jill came out with us uh, too. So, so that was two Florida boys, Brian Armstrong and Tex and Tex had never seen snow in his life and he wouldn't get out of the car, but me and Whoopi and Denise and uh, I don't remember her. Jill, I don't remember her being there. You don't remember. Well, Jill, I'm wrong on that. Yeah. Jill was, I remember Tex, Brian, me, you, Jill. Everybody else pushed out. <laughs> you don't. You, you remember Tex staying in the car? He wouldn't do it. He would not do it. But Brian uh-huh. went yeah. down the hill. Maybe Brian time. did. What? Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Jill, That's Jill went with us. 
That sounds like a blast, actually. You know, <laughs> so okay, so to kind of stay back on the show, and I know I don't really want to stay in the confines of somebody else's show. I want this to be ours, which it yeah. is. You know, and you know what? And These are tales from the territories. They're just our they tales. Are, they're your tales, and I love this about this. So you know, we we have a legit person who worked in the office, who worked in the ring, and you are a Memphis historian. And Wolfie, obviously, a legendary Memphis athlete. I I mean, to me, we couldn't have a better Tales from the Territories than if you rebooked it on the Vice channel itself. So with that being said, obviously you talked about Randy Savage a little bit earlier, but it did bring up the famous Randy Savage Waffle House story. Uh, we love Randy here. He's our you know patron saint of the Live and Color with Wolfie D show. <laughs> I mean, you know, you talked about bailing Randy Savage out of jail. I don't think the Waffle House story even tops that. But do you have no, any I input? Think it, I think the the Waffle House uh, story does top that. I really do. It's a classic story. But here's the deal. Here's the controversy. We have a story going on, and I don't know who to believe or who not to believe. So Dutch went on this show. Uh, Dutch has told the story many times. Now, I didn't listen to the YouTube clip, but apparently Roy Rogers, uh, not Roy Rogers, Rip Rogers, Rip Rogers has gone on, and he basically has said, I was there, the story that Dutch told uh, was wrong. I saw the whole thing. So there's apparently an argument out there between Rip and Dutch claiming on whose stories is right. I have, I have no idea the story, but I'll be honest with you. I've heard the story a hundred times, probably 98 of them by Dutch. So the Dutch <laughs> version is the story that I've always heard. Okay. always heard it told the way, uh, Dutch did, but yeah, that was a classic story. You know, a couple of other savage stories, What's yeah. Rip's? Do you know what Rip's version is? That that the dog biting Savage in the ass and Savage uh, running, uh, run away, running out. He's saying that didn't happen. Mm. Uh, okay, gotcha. Here's your a story I wasn't there for. It was a Louisville, and it was a time that for a brief period of time we were, Jared had gone into business doing co-promotion stuff. This is before Wolfie's time with uh, he was doing it with georgia championship wrestling and ole anderson and so we were using some of their talent even gordon Soley was coming doing the television however apparently rip rogers was with oh ended up getting involved with savages's ex and she was there in louisville and they they ended up hell of a fight between Randy Savage and Rip Rogers in the dressing room in the Louisville Gardens, and the girl tried uh, to interfere and get on Savage's back. Lanny made the save and grabbed her and pulled her off, and then Eddie Marlin's brother, who used to always referee in Louisville, he and the rest of the crew ended up doing the pull apart. So, so there's heat there. But between that went way back between Savage and Rip Rogers. Huh. Gotcha. Okay. The Dundee story with the Dundee Savage 
uh, fight and also the Whoopie Dundee. I'm sure you guys covered that. The knife story and and Ripley. So so a lot a lot of I just did a recent show about fights in in the uh, Memphis territory and and Dundee were was in a a few of them. He was in. Uh, the one with Savage, the one with Whoopi, and and then uh, the original member of the Midnight Express, Randy Rose. He was in a uh, argument with him in in the dressing room in Louisville, and Dundee pulled a gun out. So there's you know it's controversial and and some real serious incidents that happen in our territory. There's no doubt about that. Exactly. And you talk about guns and that brings me back to the beginning that where they talk about handsome Jimmy Valiant brandishing a 44 Magnum. And all I can think of is the boogie woogie man saying, do you feel lucky punk? Well, do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that was, that, that was Miss Toad. That oh. was Miss uh, Toad totally. Uh, okay. Val- that was in like the early seventies. Uh, and Valiant didn't arrive to, so like September or October of 77. And whoever, t- I think Lawler told the story and Lawler said, and Jim had his gun. Then the reenactment, they put somebody that looked like Jimmy Vega. Then I think Hart, and that was before Hart's time too. Hart didn't start in the wrestling business to 79. The gym that pulled the gun, and that story uh, did happen with, I think it was uh, David Jack Donovan or, 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 or maybe that was Spider Al too. I don't, I don't remember who that was at the time. I, I think it was with Spider Al, but Lawler's first ever tag team partner, Jim White. It was not Jimmy Valiant, but Jim White did pull the gun. Okay, so do you think that was on the show that did that, or they just kind of produced that and brought that in there? I think said name Jim, and they just assumed Jimmy. And I think Jimmy Hart appeased, kind of repeated the story back, even though he wasn't around. And I think he might have said Vagan. Uh, okay, as well, he was just trying to get some traction off of all his stories. And I think he just got it wrong. He wasn't there yeah. then when the hey, when you know that one happened. that they damn sure should have covered. Did they really want you know? Because a lot of these were in ring, you know. But what about the fucking Larry Burton bullshit? That's that's some shit right there. How that all went down and the parties involved and the the shit that happened. And I read what made me think of that. I don't know if you've read it, Randy. If you haven't, I'd like to have your opinion on it. Uh, a post by Bill Barron's recently talking about that. It had a photo with Larry Burton with his hand in front of his face. And Bill was saying he never wanted to be photographed. And, you know, if that was his real name and all that kind of stuff. What if, I know you hate the son bitch, but what is this, the real story that goes along with that and the tapes and all that shit? Please. That's awesome. You're putting me on the spot here. Did you know if Jerry Lawler listened to to this type of thing. I'm not real comfortable um, on the record. I will say a little bit, but on the record, I'm just not real comfortable talking about this. I got- but I will say, I will say that I was on a leave of absence because the sins of the past went away. And that yeah. was the worst thing that, 
to happen because at that point, if I was was there, this would have never happened. Well, I asked yeah. all our needed leave and absence, blah, 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 I need you to take over. So I went away to get away, move back to, to Jonesboro to get my head back together. In the meantime, he had met Burton, and Burton basically sold Waller on this deal that he was a big Hollywood guy and he was this and that, and that he could sell the, the company and find somebody uh, to sell. So on Burton's own part, from from the get-go, from day one, uh, the purpose was to sell the company. And Burton, as he found the guy in Ohio, uh, I'm trying to think as we go, he found this guy and he sent paperwork, and he flat out would, I got subpoenaed, I don't know if you even know this, because it was uh-huh. early powerful days, I got subpoenaed and had to go to Ohio to testify. Jerry Jarrett was subpoenaed as well. I 100% thought Burton totally was bogus and, total thing. I didn't have anything bad to say about Lawler, but I had a lot to say about Burton. So then they had paperwork that Burton had given them. And say say it was in Clarksdale, Mississippi on January the 3rd. And so they said, and you worked in, in Clarksdale, and I don't, you call bullshit to this story as the second I say something that is uh, not uh, true. So January, say January the 3rd, they said Clarksdale, Mississippi did $15,750. Bullshit, <laughs> yeah, whooping. <laughs> I doubt it very seriously. Okay. So they had asked me to bring my book and books and, and my records. So, they remember $15,750. And this is the paperwork Burton had sent to this guy that was going to buy the company and did buy the company. Selker was his name. So they said, Mr. Hales, would you look in your records and tell me what you have, the city, or uh, you have and any attendance and any revenue from that night? I said, okay. So I opened up the book. <laughs> and that would have been 1997. Opened up the book, went to January the 3rd, and remember their paperwork said $15,750. My paperwork, you want to guess? $1,500. I had in my you, you'll pop at this. What my note said? What? Due to an ice storm. Uh-huh. Zero. It did not run. Not run. It did no. And Burton had said that it did almost $16,000. Wow. So, yeah. I'll give you, even though I said I'm uncomfortable about it, I gave you a little scoop, right? I gave yeah. you a little dirt. Absolutely. But see, that would have been a great story to talk about because that's super scandalous, you know. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. thanks for that well, little tidbit. No 
Yeah. Well, the, no doubt the biggest scandal. thing to me was that pisses me off about it is that there's no all the tapes that are missing. There's a whole bunch of shit that I'd really have never seen and would like to see that's that wasn't on TV that was only on Randy West camera. Yeah. But so the moral kids here is that the fall of Memphis wrestling can be blamed on Randy Hales taking a leave of absence. <laughs> And the reason, hold on, hold on, I'm not finished, I'm not finished, hang on, hang on, hang on. Randy Hales took a leave of absence, and he took a leave of absence because of some problems, which he said earlier were caused by me, and that I'm (laughs) to blame for his problems, therefore the downfall of Memphis Wrestling falls on my (laughs) hands. Wolfie D, yeah, yeah, (laughs) that must have been it. You know, I take credit. If that wouldn't have happened. I guarantee you that Channel 5 would have not had that bad experience with the new owner and would have been canceled. And that would have happened. I would have never had Power Pro Wrestling. I would have never had that. So I missed maybe a half a year of of payoffs on on that that deal because it just just burdened. They went through Mike Samples as the booker. Who else? Dutch then. Dutch. Dutch certainly understands the wrestling business, but I think think of Burton was he was w- working for it. Were you here during the Mike Campbell's then the uh, Dutch Mantel book and arrow right before the company went out of business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember how much for each one, but I think mostly. Um, I mean, I remember I remember Burton uh, uh, taking us all out. Uh, shit, me, Dutch, Jamie, Glenn Jacobs, Kane. Um, I don't know, there's a few other people late, late at night in Nashville at Morton Steakhouse. They were already closed, and he called him up. And he was a VIP, and we all had lobster and steak. And you know, we're talking hundreds, if not at about a grand, probably maybe more. I don't know, a bill. It's like a hundred dollars a plate at least, and uh. That's that's what I recall is that I just thought, man, this dude, you know, he's one of them super con men. You, a lot of people see these dudes, you you know, these true crime dramas and shit like that. I love to watch them. I think the average person that hasn't run into people like that think maybe, God, how does someone like this exist? Yet in our business, we ran across them all the fucking time. Some of your best friends. <laughs> so did you like it? Was it good to you? Was Burton good to me? Yeah. Did I like, hold on, Randy, ask that question where I can hear you one more time. Back in that time with me gone, did you like Larry Burton? I'm not going to say that I disliked him because he didn't do anything to me at that time personally, at the age that I was, you know, I didn't really give a shit. I I don't know what I thought, whether this ain't good. I, I, I probably had that feeling, but I was still working. That's all I cared about. And like I said, he he wasn't rude to me. You know, he was a tight. He's always cutting up and you know trying to be one of the boys, pretty much. You know how those dudes are, and that's just what I thought of him. I thought this is another one of those guys. Do you remember he got in a fight in the ENG room at Channel Five? The only person that ever was punched by Downtown Bruno in his life. Downtown <laughs> Bruno punched Larry Burton. Do you remember that? I do. I do remember, but do you, if you know the whole story of how it happened, you can tell it. Cause I, but I do remember it now that you say it. Oh, I, I just heard. I was gone by the 
that time. I think Rush had told Larry Burton that he would referee for free. Bruno got like 40 or 50 bucks to referee, but Bruno had the full-time WWF job, and so mm-hmm. Larry Burton told Bruno that, that hell, that Bill Rush is, is, doesn't cost us any money, and plus is a hell of a lot better referee than you are. So Bruno punched him in the face. <laughs> nice. Wow. That's, that's wow. that story. Now, was that that old Sailor Moran training? <laughs> I'll use a little Sailor Moran shit. Probably so. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, we could go on for hours and hours for this, but I think this is a great ending point for the hails from the territories. Fellas, do we want to call this a part one? I think this needs to go on. We can, I think we can maybe we can call it a recurring series. I love it. I yeah. think that's a great idea. Series. Yeah. And not only were you our first repeat guest, Randy Hales, you'll be the guy that comes back for a third time. So, mm-hmm. you know, with that being said, Wolfie D, why don't we bring Randy on for some current affairs? What do you think about that, brother? All right. Let's let's do it. All right. We'll be right back with current affairs and Randy Hales. DJ, hit the music. It's a current affair It's a current affair Love it in color It's a current affair Alright, we're back with Current Affairs And we've got the third member of PG-13 We've got the booker from the U.S. <laughs> the owner of Power Pro Wrestling, Mr. Hales from the Territories himself, Randy Hales. Randy, again, thanks so much for being on the show with us. It is a true treat to have you on. I love that you're now going to be a standing, recurring guest on the show. And with that being said, we're going to talk a little current affairs. Now, this one is interesting, and, and I really thought about this one because I wanted to bring you on and have you answer this one because I needed your input. So recently, as you know, CM Punk, the Elite, whatever they're called, the Bucks and, and Omega, they had that big fight in the back. And then, of course, even more recently than that, they've had... Ric Flair's son-in-law Andrade and Sammy Guevara in a fight. Now, the the specifics of that is not really important as much, but basically Andrade is essentially, the rumor is he wants to go back to WWE now that Triple H has taken over, and he wants to get out of his contract with AEW, so he's trying to do all these things. Now, whether that's true or not, it doesn't really matter, but basically, backstage confrontation happened. What are you thinking, man? Because I feel like Tony Khan needs to gain control of his backstage essentially and i guess the inmates maybe are running the asylum yeah that's that's, that's, that's was it. a statement i remember jerry jarrett saying that was one of the that was one of the first statement type things i heard in the wrestling business you can't let the inmates run the asylum well that's exactly what's going on over there um you look at you know Look at the the IR over there. All the guys that are hurt and fighting each other. And, I mean, we basically have a fucking independent show with some great production and lighting and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's what it's to be. They, they, they admittedly, we talked about this earlier, they're not listening to the veterans. They want to do their own thing. And, you know, he's letting it happen. I mean... Right, and then the, my point of the IR thing is, 
the longevity of these cats. I mean, we keep they want to defend these stupid fucking moves that mean nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not used for anything. And now look how many are getting hurt early on, getting their hurt. They can't do this. So it's fucking with the product. Yeah. Your, your matches are having to change. What you're building for is having to change or this or that because everybody keeps getting hurt because they're doing stupid shit and they have no guidance because they don't want it. Absolutely. What do you think, Randy? What I think is this, and, and it's funny. Let's take a look at Tony Khan, and he is a non-wrestler, a football guy, and he's the son of a rich uh, guy. But the key to that is a non-wrestler. Then, look back in the day at Memphis Wrestling, the person that had success in that, that had to run dressing rooms, and there was an exception to the rules, because since the beginning of time, you had fights in the dressing room. I don't remember the word Wolfie used earlier that we talk about riffs. I don't remember ever having a split, a totally split dressing room. So I think it's two things. I think the major rift between the veteran talent and the established talent, the XWWF talent, and guys like Jericho, and, and there's guys there that know what to do. And like Cornette would say, the independent, the, 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 the outlaw mud shows, you know, a lot of their talent was outlaw mud shows it don't click and it will never click on a national level. You know, I wasn't too concerned uh, about the fact. I think everything goes back to the business that it's run by a person that his version of what the wrestling business is, Tony Khan's version of what the wrestling business is. How was that shaped? I'll tell you how mine was shaped. Mine was shaped by riding down the road with Eddie Marlin, with Tojo Yamamoto, with Jerry Jarrett, with Bill Dundee, with Jerry Jarrett, even with Harley Race, Nick Bockwinkle, riding with everybody. You learn the business that way. Tony learned the business by watching tapes, tape after tape, going to ECW shows, and his number one of what the wrestling business should be is Dave Meltzer. He was a correspondent. He was an avid reader of the wrestling observer. So he thinks the wrestling business should be is based on, and I heard him talk about five-star matches. This match did a seven-star match. Our goal is to do this, do that, do that. That don't mean shit. (laughs) That don't mean shit. It's about connecting with the audience. And he don't understand that. And I right. think the fight, whether it was Andrade, wanted to get the hell out of, out of there. And I can, Sammy, my younger guy, I can see him. I like him as a top. Sure. I think he comes across hot, cocky, and I think he does a, the style. He did now good. I've seen him in exciting stuff. But I think that I wouldn't like him very well. I think independent guys, never have had structure. They've never had that one guy that says this is what it's uh, going to be. Now, Whoopi D could have come to me and say, Randy, because he has. Say, Randy, 
He wouldn't say, really, that's, that's stupid. He would never say that. Right. Because he'd been around a while. He would say, Randy, I was thinking, how about instead of we doing that, if we do it this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, and then I would either say yes, which I would 99% of the time, or I think uh, we don't need to go in that direction. I think let's just go with my plan. And he said he would say, okay, and that would be it. Yeah. He would do it the, the way it was played out. Or after I said, let's do it your way, he would do it your way. I think totally the number one problem they have, absolutely, and where to go, who knows? It's the corporate world now, and I never had – I was in the wild, wild west, man. We yeah. was in the wild, wild west. I've never dealt with corporate wrestling. So HR and all that kind of thing. So who's at fault with Punk and the Bucks and, and and all that? I don't know. I think Tony Khan likes the wrestlers that Dave Meltzer likes. I think that's the biggest problem. He thinks he was basically a fan of Mark, however you want to say it, of Kenny Omega, who I think Dave Meltzer said is the greatest wrestler of all time. Do you right. think Kenny Omega being a star in Memphis back in the day or VD? Um, not in the capacity that he is now. Maybe, you know, he's a good wrestler. And, and you know, booked as a baby face. I, I don't mean that he would be a giant star, but, I mean, he would have been looking like the kind of the rest of the baby faces that come through, that have come through Memphis that didn't really do a lot, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, he wouldn't have been a PG-13. He wouldn't have been a Brian Christmas. He wouldn't right. have been a Jeff Jarrett. He right. damn yeah. sure wouldn't have been a Bill Dundee and Jerry Long. Right? Do right. you agree right. on that? So I, yeah. I think this is pretty controversial saying this. And I I might have told this story before. Maybe take a little bit of blame. Have I told you all my Tony Khan story, my personal Khan no. story? No, I don't think so. No, no. Our pro era, he was a kid. He was a teenager or or maybe maybe a senior or a freshman in college. So he was trying to call different wrestling bookers or promoters or whatever. So he calls me, and I don't know why we acted like this, because back in the day when wrestling was protected, I don't see myself or uh, having this conversation uh, but later on he said it did happen so anyway he said he called and he emailed me a sample WWF TV that, that he had written well first of all just somebody said back in those days that they written TV that would have got heat with me in the first place but they but years later the Memphis Wrestling Tribute Night at an AEW show in the Memphis area in South Haven, Mississippi. And they called me Daniels, Tyler Relations guy. Do you know Chris Daniels? I'm not going to lie to you or the listeners. I had it on mute because I'm eating a bowl of cookie crisp and I did not want to crunch in everyone's ear, but I was listening. And yes, I Thank do you. know Christopher Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I go to this show. And when they asked me to go, they they paid me for going 
uh, to do a meet and greet, that sort of thing. Seven hundred and fifty freaking dollars. I couldn't believe mm. it. Yeah. Seven hundred and fifty dollars. They also asked Brandon, maybe I suggested him to have somebody to ride with. Paid Brandon about three hundred dollars. I said, Well that's pretty three hundred dollars compared to seven fifty and Brandon has the the radio stations to promote the event and all that. So if anybody got seven fifty should have should have been Brandon on me. But anyway, that night I introduced myself to Tony and I said, I'm he said, I know who you are. You're Randy Hills. And then he said, We've actually talked on the phone. I said, hmm. We have and then uh, then he, he he told the whole story and and he called me and and wanted me to look at his TV, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking about how I would have reacted back in that thing. And I, I said, was I a prick to you? Because I, in my mind, I'm thinking I probably would have been. I don't know why I wasn't a prick to him. <laughs> somebody, somebody had a kid calling me, asking me to review a show, show he famously booked. That would have got heat with me, I would have thought. But anyway, I said, did I cuss you? Was I a prick to you? <laughs> and he said, he said, were you happy with your money tonight? I said, yes, sir. I said, fantastic. It was, it was great. Thank you very much. I was happy. He said, if you were a prick to me, do you think I would have paid you $750 tonight? I said, oh, I guess... I guess uh, certainly you would not. Who would have thought that young kid that called me that day in 1998, 1999, 2000, something like that would maybe be the second most powerful guy in the wrestling business? Who would have ever yeah, thought? You never know, man. You never know. What's that thing? You know, Be nice on the way up to everybody because you never know. Uh, who you passing the way back down? Yeah, yeah, and and I've never had a situation where the anything is a the be, better example. I'm mean, with my my nephews uh, and my nieces that's younger, but the age they're getting into the workforce. I tell that story all the time to them that mm-hmm. you never know who you're talking to. You that's never true. know, yeah. who you're talking to, or who, but I think who it could one day be. <laughs> yeah, 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 very true. Go Let ahead. me throw this in. Tony yeah, of course. Recently, recently uh, said, and this is just amazing to me, he, he just said, I have things up my sleeve, and I swear to to our fans of AEW, by the end of this year, for the third year in the row, I will be the Wrestling Observer Booker of the Year. And I think that guys, Jimmy and Wolfie, I think that that sums up the whole conversation. Yeah, he That's is booking for. for Meltzer. He's right. yeah. he's in that line of thing, and he's the second most powerful person in the wrestling business. And there's issues you know, with that. That's bottom line. It's kind of relatable to what you said a few minutes ago from the beginning. The Larry Burton's purpose was to sell the USWA. From the beginning, Tony Khan's purpose is to be the number one booker in Meltzer's mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. 
That's his. Do you think that's his? Uh, I have. I've, I've. I've not. I've arrived. I mean, he's already arrived. But would that be his? You know, claim to fame, <laughs> personal, personal accomplishment, championship of his life, or something. If he gets that from Meltzer, yeah, and and it's not just Tony. Tony's the lead, the lead head on that thing. But look at the young bucks. Do you not think that there's, oh, that there's so, and and they're they're a good, real good team. I'm not knocking them, but the thought process of uh, I am. Because they have uh, pretty much a lot of the independents are performing for Meltzer, and they named their finishing move the Meltzer Driver. Right. Yeah, that's right. Bad. Absolutely. Yeah, that's you remember? You remember back? And we always say this back in the day, but really back in the day when you got a got a halt of. Uh, hmm. You know those stapled papers together. Have you seen the recent dirt sheet? It was it was taboo, and and you kind of passed them off under the table. Hey, here, here's this one. And we didn't we didn't say all we really said was this guy's a fucking idiot. <laughs> you know, yeah. he don't yeah. know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, and we can do an entire series on that. I probably wasted you guys' time and our listeners time on that, but that's really my uh, philosophy. I think AEW worked in the beginning because for the last however many years since the end of WCW, which was 2001, the end of the territories and all that, and Vince had no competition. I think the fact there's another company is better overall for the boys. I think because they weren't or more than one major wrestling company, I think a lot of wrestlers on the independents don't have that second step. Whoopi wrestled in the Outlaws. Am I correct? You were an outlaw wrestler, right? Yeah. I was an outlaw ring announcer at one time, so I've been there there too. And the next step was Memphis, and the next step was in MCW. WCW, WWF, whatever the facts. So there's a packing order of where you wanted to be. Now you're on these shows with 20 people. All of a sudden, the, the people don't have the opportunity that Wolfie did to wrestle in Memphis on Monday and Louisville on Tuesday and Evansville, Indiana on Wednesday, maybe Somerset, Kentucky on Thursday and Tupelo, Mississippi on Friday and Jonesboro. Nashville and TV on Saturday and once a month in Jackson, Tennessee wrestling six or seven days a week, always twice on, on Saturdays. They don't have that progression. They go from 20 people at an outlaw mud show to being on TV on TBS or TNT on dynamite without a training school. And, and then they're doing national TV and they don't, know the right things to do and now that's what we get and they're in conflict with the veterans like the jerichos and and all all the guys you know the the punks of the world i think jericho probably is more political he wouldn't have gone on a media media scrum and buried tony right con he 
Jericho wouldn't have done that. He's a better businessman than that. He was just taking the money and go and, and tried to keep a good relationship and do his stuff the way he wanted to do the stuff. I don't think Jericho would do anything he thought was stupid. At the same time, he wouldn't go on a media scrum and bury the top talent and bury the owner. It's exactly so. I think that company is in bad trouble now. You yeah. guys agree? I do. I do. Yeah. And I and I I'm disagreeing pretty much with you guys because I haven't been watching as much of it anymore. You know, there for a minute, Jimmy, I kind of watched some of it to try to keep up, but then all the stuff when when all the stuff started going down, it's just like this is a waste of my time. I don't <laughs> want to sit here and watch this any longer. Yeah. I'll watch the clips and, and yeah. read the story. Yeah, and if that's happening all around, that's bad trouble for them for sure. So, well, a piece of kind of positive news, you know, I know we talked about AEW here, but this is our final current affair of the day in that the wrestling led. Now, this is a little old, but it's current enough. We haven't addressed it. 2022 is the year of the comeback. Wolfie D has wrestled a couple times. Ric Flair had his last match. Obviously, we've talked about that at length. But on November 27th, 2022, wrestling legend Ricky the Dragon Steamboat will be making his in-ring return at 69 years young for big-time wrestling. The show will emanate from Raleigh, North Carolina, and will be dubbed Return of the Dragon. What do y'all think about that one? Sounds Ricky was always cool. in great shape. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah. Who's he, who's he working with? They said, you that. know, they say it's a six man tag team match. They don't really have a, let me see here if I can pull that up. I don't think they've announced anybody. And uh, you I know, think of it's course, FT. I think it's FTR and Steamboat gotcha. against somebody. Okay. Okay. Probably some local guys. Well, I'll with. just say this uh, on a, on a, just crossed my mind. Do you think there's any relationship here for him telling Flair no and then yeah. coming doing one himself? That was my next question. <laughs> that was my next question. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Wolfie D? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's my I thoughts think- on that. It's yeah. an eyebrow. I mean, Seriously, you tell the guy, no, I won't come do your match. And then a couple months later, you do your own pay-per-view. Is it a pay-per-view? I mean, probably on fight or something. Who knows? On the IWTV or something. I feel like, and I don't, you know, I don't know either one of them. Well, met them both, but I don't know them. And I don't know what their relationship is. But to me, that's almost like. Hell no. Fuck you. I'll go do my own. <laughs> right. Bigger payday. Yeah. Do you think Ricky could garner, you know, we think we talk about this all the time, you know, Jerry Lawler's final match will be a big deal. I do think Lawler's a little bit too active for him to really truly get that Ric Flair pop, you know, at being that Ric Flair was so far away. Lawler would pretty much need to stop now. And then in his nineties, come back, you know what I mean? But you know, somebody like Lawler's last match is going to be huge. We've talked about that before, you know, there Hulk Hogan, I don't think can wrestle again. I think he's too far down the pike of, of not being healthy enough to do it. But those guys, there's so many, you know, Randy Savage's last match. Have we known that we had seen it already? It's, you know, it's kind of sad, but he would have garnered a big final match, but is Ricky big enough to garner the same approach as with Ric Flair's last match? Mm. He, to me, uh, he was the, 
Ricky the Dragon was one of the best baby faces ever, no doubt. For sure. But as I mean, he had some great people to work with as far as heels. Obviously, with Flair being his number one, probably. Randy Savage, maybe his number two most memorable stuff. You know, he's gone. So, right. he Ricky Steamboat doesn't do uh, pregame hype talks to the Carolina Panthers. Rick, or, uh, Rick Flair does. Uh, right. Ricky Steamboat doesn't smoke Mike Tyson weed and promote it, and Ric Flair does. Ricky Steamboat is not mentioned in numerous rap songs and rap videos. Ricky Steamboat is not a... He's an iconic wrestler, Absolutely. but Ric Flair is something just a little bit more than that. Yeah. So that, would, to me, would be the difference if it didn't do as good. Right. Right. No, to me, there's no way with your great example there of what Flair is. The times we live in, you know, it, it would not, it would not do as good. I, I do not think nowhere near as good. Yeah. And it was kind of like a perfect storm too, because it was SummerSlam weekend. Nashville oh, was yeah. a huge growing city everybody loves nashville and at the same time conrad amount of money that he's putting behind it i don't know the guys in big time wrestling i've heard of them before but you know apparently they've been around long enough for ricky steamboat to trust them with this match but at the same time it's not using the moniker of jim crockett promotions which i still think is weird in nashville but we'll get past that <laughs> Anyway, but I don't know. I, I think that's pretty much it. Unless you guys have anything further to add about Ricky's return. No, man. I, no, I don't. Well, I tell you what, Randy, we promised you earlier, but put yourself over, brother. Well, I'm necessarily going to put myself over, but I would like for the people, <laughs> the listeners of this podcast. He's, he's already done, he's done that for the past two hours. <laughs> hey, 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 that ain't fucking nice. That ain't nice. At all. Hey, We're hey, I put your ass over too, man. You're, you're overreacting. <laughs> yeah, Randy. We're okay. glad you're here, buddy. We're happy you're here, man. Yeah. All right. He's going to get me hot at the end of this damn thing. Anyway, <laughs> I do shows on my social media. Mondays, the Power Pro Wrestling Watcher along. Tuesday is uh, certainly live on my all my social media, my Facebook, Randy Hills, my Twitter, at RB Hills. Check me out there. But I recently have started a YouTube uh, channel, and I couldn't do Randy Hills. From, I, I, got, I lost my Randy Hills thing for taking content violation. So I have a new YouTube page, and I want everybody to make sure – you subscribe to that channel. It's called The Randall Hales, R-A-N-D-A-L-L Hales. And certainly some of the archives of my Monday and Tuesday shows are up there, including the ones that I did in July, July the 19th and July the 26th. I thought it's a combination video and talk format. What became on, and I, my certainly uh, – some of the shows that I'm the most, the two shows I'm the most proud of are those shows. It's now on YouTube, Randall Hale's YouTube channel. And just look at the list of videos and uh, the most recent ones, because right be right before you guys called, 
I had finished um, look. It took me forever to find them, but they're up there. So it's my mission to keep the legacy of Memphis wrestling alive. I love being on this show in July and love the fact that you called me today and we will do recurring hails from the territory because what I've had today, I think is unique and good stories and me and Wolfie together, we can throw a lot of other, we're not finished yet. They're not going to ring that bell for us yet. We're just going to take a little intermission. We'll be back hopefully in the, within the next several months and we'll do it again. And I thank you guys for having me on. This has been a blast. Randy, you're the yeah, best. it's been awesome, man. I, there's nobody better that we could have uh, picked for this uh, episode. So Amen. Well, that, I guess that's that, it's so good that we're going to turn it into something else on the fly. We did not discuss this with <laughs> any, we, we didn't discuss this before we came on here, folks. So we just made a decision on air. We called an audible. We called yeah. it in the ring. By there you I, go. That's what you said we were going to do. That's what you said we were going to do. If you guys were, I sent him a text, and he's like, "What? something about, what are we going to do? So I texted him back. I said, we'll call it in the ring, kid. (laughs) 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 And that's the thing. If you you would have sent me a script, I'd have been horrible. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed this show. (laughs) And again, uh, call it in the ring. And that's exactly what we did. And to me, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Wolfie so D. for Jimmy across the street, Randy Hales, this is Wolfie D. And we want to thank you once again for listening to Live and in Color. And now a word from our sponsor. and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Chic Jared are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all, and all they ask is, Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. The If you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the Interview Show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show, and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders, you can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com. 
you're a fan of rock and music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Uh, I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at LiveWolfieD. And then on YouTube, at Live and in Color with Wolfie D Podcast. Our website is anchor.fm slash WolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie. D. Also, do you have a product or business you'd like Wolfie D to talk about? Let us know about it by leaving a recorded message over at anchor.fm slash Wolfie D slash message. Leave your name and contact info and we'll get back to you. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash Wolfie D slash message. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate, first of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah. And remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon and our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cat. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still loving in color. Don't rush your mother, utilize a hubcap. I like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while when you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected. Bad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for data. Not here to play games, so you better beware. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. Like the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You set a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. When I finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up. Driving it home, it's Ruby D, baby. Huh, I got a cap for your dome.
This has been a James Rock Street production.